0: I'm um, to understand that we have been teaching on this and, and aiming ourselves towards a direction of transformation. We just started uh, our series on vision this past Sunday, so this is a good time of year to talk about vision and to help people see themselves being what God called them to be. Um, the truth of the matter is, the best version of yourself is already out there. You got to go apprehend it. You got to go capture it. There's another version of you that's waiting on you to become who it is you're supposed to be. And so some of the ambition that you are supposed to have in line is directly connected to what this house is pouring into your life. And so you've got to see the value of this helping you become who you're supposed to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Um, so today, I want to, in, as a deposit into this context of transformation, I want to talk about this concept of redemption. Everybody say redemption. And I'm reading from Psalm 107. Uh, I'll, I'll begin reading here in the first verse. And it says here, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Verse two says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. That's Psalm 107 verses 1 through 6. Father, we give you this time today. We ask that you sanctify it you anoint us for the task. Give us precision and accuracy of thought to deliver in a manner that reaches, touches the lives of your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, if, if I share with you this concept of redemption, I, I, I talked about this over the course of uh, five or six weeks at our church in Memphis. And uh, I felt like it would be apropos to kind of consolidate some of those efforts here to help us understand some dynamics about redemption for the sake of where this church is going. So as a overarching thought, allow me to suggest to you that redemption um, really is about two things. It's about time and it's about space. It's about time and it's about space. Just look at your neighbor and say time and space. Redemption is about two things. It's about time and it's about space. And so redemption is really a promise that's been extended to us through the hand of God. And what we have to do is recognize that if we're going to walk in this place of wholeness, if we're gonna walk in this place of fulfillment of our calling and purpose and destiny, We've gotta reach to this place of redemption and see ourselves living in a place of redemption and not reduction. The enemy wants for you to live a reduced life. He wants you to live a reduced life. He never wants you to walk in the fullness of everything that God has already set aside for you. So what he attempts to do over the course of your life is put you in a reduced state and for you to get used to that reduced state. He wants you to dwell in it and be comfortable with it. And sometimes what we do is we are lulled to this place of living in a place of reduction, not realizing that God has said, this place is not a permanent position for you. But we become comfortable with the same job, the same people, the same thing. And we've got to learn to be refreshed through the presence of God. So a lot of this will have to do with um, really putting yourself in a position to evaluate your relationships. And so let me just say, um, in particular, as as I I honor my brother today, uh, the right relationships refresh you. The wrong relationships exhaust you. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm from Memphis, right? So if I start saying amen, hey, amen, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, y'all just go with me, okay? That means Memphis is coming up out of me today. Um, I spent a lot of years here, but I am from Memphis. And so it will rise to the surface on occasion. So the right relationships refresh you. The wrong relationships exhaust you. The right relationships replenish you. The wrong relationships deplete you. they suck the life out of you. Y'all know people, don't, don't act like you don't know the people that are depleting you, and they keep asking you to be replenished in order for them to come to deplete you. Sometimes we enable the people that deplete us to keep coming back to deplete us, and it works against your redemption. Um, So the objective here is, is, is to live in a place of redemption and not reduction. So the right relationships refresh you. The right relationships replenish you. The right relationships renew you. The wrong relationships reverse you. They turn you in a direction opposite of the person who you're supposed to be. So, uh, just as a a parenthetical statement, I'm publishing my first book this year. I'll take sign-up lists as I leave today so you can order your copy, pre-order. But the right relationships renew you. The, The right relationships also reveal you. The real you comes to the surface when you got the right people around you. And so redemption is designed to do those things. And so this Psalm here is captured in such a magnificent fashion in my estimation because um, the author here really does put us in a position to think through where we are. So pastor was helping us this morning, uh, helping us understand this dynamic about praise. And so the psalmist writes here, he says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And so I started thinking about this dynamic of what becomes the measuring standard for goodness. Because anything that's good to you really does have the burden of proof of demonstrating its goodness towards you. And so if it doesn't demonstrate its goodness towards you, it's probably, probably not good at all. And so if we, we, you think about it in the most practical sense, I had uh, um, a meal last week, and I participated in some indulging. That chocolate cake called me, and I responded. And I said, oh, taste and see. <laughs> and the goodness responded to me. Anything that's good to you, you've got to put to a standard. It's got to show its goodness towards you. That'll make you clear half the room in your life. (laughs) It'll bear itself out. So if the food is good, it tastes good. If the job is good, it pays good. If the relationship is good, you are treated well. Am am, am I saying good stuff here? Is anybody with me in the house today? So what we have to do is we've got to see the goodness that God has given us. And that goodness requires a response. Oh, give thanks (laughs) unto the Lord. Because he has been, he carried the burden of proof and brought it back to my life and showed me that some of the stuff that he brought me through was good for me. David said it this way, it was good for me that I was afflicted. David was able to find the goodness of the Lord in a bad situation. And some of us have just got to resolve that some of the stuff that we're going through, while it doesn't feel good, it is good because God is the one that's bringing us through it. So, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is, everybody say good. 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 Anybody seen Bruce Almighty? Good. Good. Verse two says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So redemption here has put a responsibility on us that if we are redeemed, we have to participate in our own deliverance. See, too many of us want to be rescued. (laughs) And you've got to be willing to participate in your own deliverance. So what's the requirement of the redeemed? To say so. Open up your mouth and thank God for coming to get you from a place where you had no business being. You got to say so. In other words, too many of us are making the wrong confession about our lives and we haven't said the right thing about what God has said about us. God says you're redeemed. So the redeemed have to participate and say, that's me. I'm coming out. I've been delivered, I've been set free, and I'm not going to let the enemy determine my destiny. So the enemy here, we see his role. His role is to put his hands on us. He wants to pull us away from the purpose of God. He wants to pull us away from the promise of God. He wants to pull us away from the will of God. That's his whole objective. And remember now, I'm telling you that redemption is about two things. What is it about? time and space. So the enemy here, what he does is it says, it says, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That's verse two. So God has to come and get us out of the hand of the enemy. So I'm going to put us all on the same page, on the same base level. Everybody in here, at some point, needs redemption. Here's how I know. Because the enemy was coming to get you and coming to hold you captive in order to keep you from what God had in store for you. And so, we connect the dots here. The enemy really wants to keep you away from God in order for you to waste time. Because if you're wasting time, then you're not on purpose. If you're wasting time, then you're not doing what God called you to do. So redeemed people are people who have been other places other than God's presence. I need the real folk to talk to me today. You need to know that there's some places where you have been in your life that God did not authorize. There's some places where you have been in your life where God did not celebrate. So that's why he came and got you from the hand of the enemy. He recognized that you did not belong there and he was willing to put himself in a position to take you away from the enemy. And so, the enemy has this design for you. He's got this plan mastered out. If I can just keep them away from what God wants them to do, they'll never walk in the place of redemption. And so, I'll keep them away from the time and space that God has for them, and I'll cause them to waste time and space while I have them captive. And so the thing that makes redemption redemption, quite honestly, is a thought here that I'll share with you. Uh, verse five says, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. I ask this question, what makes redemption redemption? Redemption. What, what is the, the, the transformative property that God places on this particular act that makes it redemption? And I come to this conclusion that what makes redemption redemption is that God is willing to use all of his resources, all of his power, all of his authority to come and get what belongs to him. When God is willing to use all of his power, all of his authority, all of his resources to come and get what belongs to him, then that thing has been redeemed. And so I put you in the equation now, and so I put Christ in the equation. And I say that he used Christ as a means to put us in a position to come and get us through Christ and say, that person belongs to me. Their time, their space, their creativity, their ability, their talent, all of it belongs to me. So I'm going to use all of my resources to come and get even though the enemy thought that he had it, I'm coming to snatch it back out of their hand. And so you need to see your future. You need to see your, your outlook, your perspective. You need to see your resources. Everything that God has for you, he's putting his resource behind in order for you to get your resource. So we don't get lost And this thought that God, where are you in the midst of my desolate way of being? Because some of us have been some places and we're looking for God. We're asking where he is. But the truth of the matter is, you are not out of God's reach. I don't care what you think you have done. David said, if I make my bed in hell, guess who shows up? He says, you're there. And some of us just need to get comfortable with the fact that God's not going to let you go because you belong to him. So he's willing to use all his resources to come and get you. And so David makes this statement. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Let me just suggest to you that rock bottom is one of the best places to encounter God. Sometimes God sets up the best meeting at the lowest place for us to realize we really, really need him. And we need him to elevate us out of the position that we are in. So I challenge us to think through where we think we are because God is setting up an arrangement for him to meet us there. Here's one of the first encounters of redemption in Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, they hanging out and they decide to do lunch at the tree. and they say are we going we going to do this? We going to eat here? We eating here? Is this is this the spot we picked out for today? The they eat and the next thing Adam discovers is that he's no longer covered. He's naked and he's ashamed. So here's God's question of redemption. Adam I'm in Atlanta, where are you at? <laughs> the question of redemption is, where are you? It's not because God has lost you. <laughs> see, 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 some of us think that God has lost us somewhere in the process of, of what, what, where we're going and what we're doing. We think that God has shuffled something around and misplaced us. But he's asking you just like he asked Adam. Where are you? In relationship to me, where are you? And so this question really does need to be asked. And so we find ourselves here where the psalmist says we can locate ourselves and we're outside of God's presence, but it's because the enemy has come to get us. He set up a trap. And now here we are, needing to be transformed, but first needing to be redeemed. I need God to come in and use his resources and come and rescue me. I'll participate in my own deliverance and say, God, I'm here. Come get me. I'll open my mouth and declare the right thing about where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be with you, but I will not. Lower my standard to continue to exist in this place where the enemy has me. Let me just tell you, you don't have to be loyal to anything that violates your standards. You don't have to be loyal to anything that violates your standards. Some of y'all are going to go in and quit tomorrow behind that statement, right? They're like, a resignation, two weeks. You got two weeks to change. <laughs> but, but, but God is looking for us to elevate our thinking in order for us to really be transformed, right? It, it, it's a renewing of the mind. That's where transformation begins. So... The psalmist here says, the enemy had me, came, tried to get me, and I said, God, I'm over here. And so watch this in verse 3. It says, he gathered them out of the lands. Which directions are listed there? It says, from the east, west, north, south. In other words, God will come and get you wherever you are. Amen. See, Pastor, there's some people who left this church who need to come back to this church because they've really been taken away by their own thought and idea. <laughs> Just look around the room. Just look around the room. There are some people who are supposed to be here to hear this. And so, here's here's my challenge to you. When we we post this message, when we put it out there on social media or uh, 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 the mechanisms that we use to reach people, send this to the people that are supposed to be here. Because redemption comes and gets you no matter where you are. And some of us have found ourselves asking God, have you forgotten about me? God hadn't lost you in the shuffle. He knows where you are and he is on his way to get you. He's just gotta make sure that you know where you are. (laughs) Y'all ever go to the mall and you see those, those, those legends that they have and you start looking for different stores. The first thing you gotta do is find that little thing that says you are here. And so, don't fail to acknowledge that you need God, but that acknowledgement exists in the context of understanding that you are here. It's a good church right here, man. That's a good church. So, the different directions, north, south, east, and west. Doesn't matter which direction you've gone. It does not matter which direction you've gone. So it says, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them their soul fainted in them their soul fainted in them so what the lack of redemption does is that it takes the the very essence of who you are and it debilitates you where there's no redemption there's no life where there's no redemption there's no activity and it says essentially that their soul has left them because they were in a place lacking redemption, had scattered amongst the land. And God has to be intentional about going the different directions in order to bring them back to him. And in the process of bringing them back to him, they are realizing where they've been, and they're saying, now we see that we were hungry, we were thirsty, we were in a way of thinking that did not reflect the God that we say we belong to. And too often what we do is we want to exist in a place and get comfortable in a place where God has said, you don't belong there. God has said intentionally, you don't belong there. But that desolate way of thinking manifests itself over and over and over again in our lives. So this last verse here in verse 6. It says here, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Uh Anybody ever been in trouble? No, 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 like raise your hand if you ever been in trouble. See, trouble, trouble is a common denominator because trouble makes us realize that some of the stuff that we are in is because of us. So, so, so this was a collective thought. It says, then they cried out, like this whole group of people crying out together because they were in their trouble, like it's it's there. Their trouble, like they had something to do with it. Some of the reason why some of us are where we are, we can find the co-signer is our name. We elected to get in some of the trouble. <laughs> ain't nobody shouting on this part. What happened? Y'all ain't ready to. Go. <laughs> Come on back up, Edge, I need some help. (laughs) But their trouble meant that some of this was our responsibility. And I, I failed to acknowledge God in the path that I was on. And I got scattered in some ways. But in reflecting the thing that God does, because they're His people, he doesn't just respond to them. He responds to their trouble. See, it's one thing for him to talk to you while you're in the midst of the situation. But at some point, he's got to talk to the situation. See, Jesus in the boat, you know, he gets up and he speaks, and it says he talked to the winds and the waves. Well, kind of, sort of, not really. What he really said was, Peace, be still. He wasn't talking to the winds and waves. He told peace to sit down and be still. Yeah. See, so he's got to talk to your trouble and not just talk to you. Because he talked to them and he said, who told you you were perishing? Who informs your perspective, right? And now, let me talk to the stuff that, that you think is really getting ready to destroy you. So he talks to them and he talks to their trouble. So what you have to understand is, is that God has the capacity to talk and have two different conversations about where you are. So he's working with you to get you where you are and he's working with the thing that got you where you are. So he talks essentially to their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. That's his response to their trouble. God always has a response to the stuff that you're in. Not just to you, but to the stuff that you're in. And some of us need God to speak to the situation we are in. God, don't just talk to me. I'm encouraging myself, talk all this around me. I need you to say something to that. Do I have a witness in the house? God, don't just talk to me. Talk to the stuff that's trying to keep me bound. Talk to the stuff that's trying to mess me up. Talk to the stuff that's trying to get me off course. Talk to the stuff, Lord. Get me out of this distress. Um... So time and space. Essentially, the psalmist is reflecting on this period where children of Israel are in captivity and then then they go and they're trying to find their way. And so what's lost while the children are wandering in the desert, the most important things that are lost are time and space. They don't have a place where they call home and they're looking for it. Now, the most important feature of the land that God had promised the Israelites wasn't the fact that it was flowing with milk and honey, not the fact that it was uh, very productive and had a lot of produce. The most important feature of the land was that it was promised. God had already said you could have it. The most important thing that God has said to you isn't what he was going to give you. The most important thing is he told you it was a promise. And God is not slack concerning his promise. So if he said it, it's just as good as done. So some of us just need to realize that the features that God is talking about this next place, the most important feature is that he's already promised to us. And that promise comes with all of his resources, all of his willingness to give it to us. That's part of the profile of what it looks like to be redeemed. A couple more points here and then I'm done. Um, is anybody getting anything out of this today? Okay. So, so under the law, we know we don't get uh, it, it, it's really, we, we don't get mercy. We don't get grace. Under the law, you, you really are supposed to get what you deserve. I'm gonna let you sit with that for just a moment. Think about your last set of sin. Not, 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 not yeah, it comes in like a box set. You know, you, 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 you got a set of sin, right? You know that box set that you watch on them DVDs? That whole show, yeah. You got a set of sins. See, you didn't get what you deserved because you got what was promised to somebody else. How do I know that? He who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness of God. I didn't get what I deserved. I got what belonged to somebody else. And see, redemption does that. Redemption gives you what belongs to somebody else. And we are joint heirs with Christ. And so we've got to live like, I don't have to live in this place of being in the hand of the enemy. I don't have to subject myself to stuff that violates my standards. I don't have to embrace this reality that's nominal and says, we're always going to be here. We're always going to stay here. No, God is looking to elevate everything that's coming to me based on what somebody else did for me. And so that is the promise I'm going to walk in. That's the promise I'm going to attach myself to. And, And the redeemed is going to say so. Is anybody in here ready to participate and say that you have some stuff coming to you that God wants to give you because God has set it aside for you? And hear me now, I'm not just talking, I'm not talking material. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about wisdom. I'm talking about sanity. I'm talking about stability. I'm talking about the stuff that's going to build your character and make you reflect God's image and glory in the earth. And so God comes and he rescues them and redemption, I told you, is about time and space. So the thing that makes redemption, redemption is that God puts all this stuff behind it. And he says, I'm not just going to give you yourself back. I'm going to give you the time and the space that you lost while you were away from me. See, y'all know the verse. I'm going to restore all the years. See, see the the stuff that's lost is really connected to time and space, y'all. And what God wants to do is give you the time and space back so you can glorify him with it uh, and not do the thing that you were doing in the hand of the enemy because you were a pawn, you were a tool, and you weren't living up to your full potential. You weren't living to your capacity. And God is saying, get over here and do what I called you and look at what I have in store for you, the time and the space. Um. Shortly after World War I, the United States government decided to enact a policy to help a predominantly agrarian society. Um, What they did is uh, in the fall of, I believe it was like 1919, is they instituted for the first time, daylight saving time. And the objective was for those who were farmers, for them to add one hour of daylight to the beginning part of the day in order for them to have more time to harvest their crop. And so, essentially, the government had to agree to moving time back and saying, you've got an extra hour. Now, I'm not going to get the seed out of the ground for you but I will give you the time in order to get the seed that's been put in the ground. Is anybody in here with me today? And so the government had to agree that we were going to roll back time in order to give the people what they needed to do the work to get the harvest out of the ground. I'm here to make a declaration over christ in a church. In 14 years, I don't know that you've ever had time rolled back for you. <laughs> but I came to declare that God is getting ready to roll back time for this church And even though you've been in existence 14 years, he's going to give you renewed energy and youth like you're seven years old. Why? Now, see, this is where we get messed up with daylight seven times in today. What we've done with it, when we roll time back, we sleep. You know what you did that Sunday morning? You were so happy you didn't have to get up at that hour to be here. And so what we've done is we've translated what was designed for work and turned it into rest. So I'm declaring that God's going to roll back the time, but you can't rest. The time is going to be for work. Why? Because you got to get out of the ground what the seed that has been put in the ground seven years ago and eight years ago and 14 years ago. And God wants to get what he put in you out of you. Too many of us want to rest when God says time to work. See, Jesus, J- Jesus did this phenomenon, Pastor. I love it, man. He, he's looking, he's looking, right? He's looking across a massive number of people. And he does this economic survey. He does economic forecast. He says the harvest is plentiful. The problem is with the workforce. Hey, hey amen. I told y'all I was from Memphis. Hey, hey, Amen. <laughs> hey stop playing. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. It's the laborers that are few. And so if Christ-centered is going to get out of the ground, Everything that God has put in this region for this church, I need the laborers to multiply. And so, look, I'm a pastor of the church. This, This is not prophetic. This is knowledge. We know in part. We prophesy in part. There are people who come to church who don't do nothing. Just keep looking straight ahead. It's cool. Ain't nobody got but you and me. I see you winking like "Mm, that. We're good. This church needs laborers. The harvest is plentiful. If, if, If we can get the workforce right, if we can get the people who need to be in position in position, we'll see this number double in a matter of months or years. And so the objective becomes, God, help me redeem the time and the space that's been lost because there's more that you want to do with who we are and what you called us to do. See, we got to give thanks because when we look back, he's been good, man. He kept us. He preserved us. He protected us. He revived us. He renewed us. God has been good the whole time, and it deserves glory and honor and praise to him now and forever. But what we need to realize also that we've got to participate in this redemption, and we've got to say, God, we're here because you redeemed us, and now we're going to get the work done. We're going to get the work done for the next 14 years, and we're going to see this thing become everything that God has called for it to be. We're not going to wander around. We're not going to get lost. We've been redeemed from that place. We're not going to live in that place. We're not going to dwell in that place. We're not going to continue to lower our standards. We're not going to continue to exhaust the leadership. We're going to be refreshing to the leadership. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? That requires our ability to assess this redemption process. And so, you've got an appointed time. You've got an appointed time for this time that's being rolled back for this church. It doesn't last forever, it's for a season. You know what's gonna happen, right, in a few months? We're gonna get that, we're gonna get that Sunday morning that nobody wants, including the pastor, where we gotta get up an extra hour early because we lost an hour. Really? See, that time is that, that time is still coming, but right now, God's rolling the time back for us. And it's going to give us an opportunity to propel ourselves to a new place of redemption where God is completely committed to putting all his resources, all of his authority, all of his power into what he's doing in us. Can you celebrate that today in Jesus' name? Come on, give him praise today.